always on a case trying to track down a thief. The thief had stolen a diamond necklace from a lady out in Towson. Hmm. You see, the lady had been out of town, not far away. She had been up in a little bit north of York, Pennsylvania, skiing at Round Top. And while she was gone, she'd just been there for the day, actually. She left early in the morning, like 6 a.m., to try and get the early bird tickets, and she did get the early bird tickets. And she stayed for a long day. I mean, she stayed until she stayed there until about 3:30, and then it's like a little more than an hour of a drive. So she got home at about 4:30, and yeah, when she got home, she went in. She was gonna make herself a snack. And when she got into her kitchen, she noticed that the back door was wide open. Not just unlocked, but open. And she said, oh no. So immediately she started looking around to see if anything was missing. Well, I mean, first she shut the door and locked it. She looked around in the kitchen and didn't see anything out of place. And she looked around in the next room, which is the living room, and didn't see anything out of place. And then she gasped. <gasps> No, 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 don't be that, don't be that. And she ran upstairs to her bedroom. And there on her nightstand, where she kept it normally, uh, she had like a little, a little necklace holder thing. It kind of looks like a person's neck. And it was empty. The diamond necklace was gone. However, all oh, had gotten a lead. It gotten a lead that uh, from a, from a pawn shop owner, the person had tried to sell the necklace at a pawn shop, and the owner correctly guessed that it was stolen and chased the person out of there, and then called Ollie right away because Ollie's often involved in this kind of a thing. And so he had a description of this person. And the pawn shop owners, as they often do, and they've identified a stolen object that someone's trying to sell, he called around to all of his colleagues at other pawn shops and, and warned, him, warned them not to buy this necklace because it was stolen. Excuse me. And so all he'd gotten a series of calls then from pawn shop owners heading south toward the airport. That's the pattern I recognize anyway. So we went to the airport and he waited there watching for somebody to match the description. And then somebody did come by and they had the necklace right around their neck. Which makes sense, I guess, kind of, for trying to sneak through airport security with a stolen necklace to just wear it as if it was your necklace. It was a lady, also. She had bright red hair and blue shoes. Tennis shoes, but very, very brightly blue.
What L.A. didn't remember to take into account, though, was that he didn't have a ticket to go on an airplane. And this lady did. She must have bought an airline airplane ticket on the taxi ride over or something, because she didn't stop at the ticket counter. She went straight to the security line, and she had that, I forget what it's called, with the thing where you can skip the line because you're a known passenger. You just pay extra for it. She had it, so I had very little time to, you know, think as this person swept through the security line. The only thing I could think of, which is what he did, was another person that came to the start of that line and set their bag down to take a phone call. Ollie scampered over it quick as a whip, opened up a zipper and slipped inside the person's bag. It wasn't a perfect plan, but it was all, all I had. He had to think quick. So the person finished their phone call, went through security. Elsie, you need to lie down. Lie down, close your eyes, please. So I went through security in this person's bag. It was a bit of a bumpy ride. Well, I was sure he was through security. He zipped his way out and popped out. Luckily, the person didn't notice. Well, they, did, they sort of noticed. They noticed that their bags holding got lighter and jostled a bit, but Ollie got all the way out of the bag and was walking away before the person turned around and looked. So Ollie got away with that part. But now he had to find the person, the lady. Luckily, there aren't that many people women with long locks of bright red hair and blue shoes. So moving quickly, I climbed his way up onto one of the poles and looked around. I was just about to give up, move to the next to another area when he spotted her. She was there in line at, at a coffee shop getting a coffee. I climbed down. He realized then that he probably should have been a little bit more discreet. Anybody could have kind of seen him if they'd been looking at the right way, but. It's done, it's done. So he found his way over to the coffee shop that he'd seen, and he saw her. She'd left the coffee shop line with her coffee, and now she was boarding a plane. Ah, that hallway, this is all moving so quickly. She got on, and it was a plane to Vancouver. Nothing terribly unusual about that. If Ollie had to get on that plane, and how? He considered trying the suitcase trick again, but at first he didn't see anybody that would was gonna, you know, do that, and he wasn't sure uh, who was gonna be, you know, who was going on to this flight, because you know sometimes there'd be two flights or even three that kind of share a waiting area. So I didn't want to sneak into somebody's luggage only had to have them that could go to Chicago. But I still didn't have a ticket. So we couldn't just walk onto the flight. And there are lots of people everywhere. It's hard to do anything real sneaky. 
I had to think and think and think. How am I going to get on this flight? How am I going to get on this flight? Um, and then I saw an opportunity. The door, not to the airplane, but to outside on the tarmac, wasn't all the way closed. It was behind the ticket counter. So all he made his way, also lie down. So all he made his way sneakily around to the back of the ticket counter, looked to see if anyone was watching, then slipped out the door. He flattened himself against the wall as quickly as he could to get out of sight. It was a long, clear run from where he was, right near the building, out to the airplane. The time was once again not Ollie's friend, because as he was figuring out the best way to do it, the, the jet bridge, the little you know, bridge you walk across to get to the airplane, pulled away. They were done loading the plane with people, and the door closed. Shoot, 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 oh, I thought, oh, why, am, why is this all moving so fast? And then I realized that he had only one opportunity to get himself on this plane and follow this diamond thief. Luggage, again with the luggage, because the luggage wasn't all loaded up yet. Ollie darted across the tarmac. He changed his color to the gray of the tarmac to try and disguise himself a little bit, but mostly he just had to hope he got lucky and no one saw him. It was bright daylight. <laughs> but he pulled it off. See, the folks loading the luggage were loading the luggage down at the bottom of this um, conveyor belt. And there was somebody, I assumed, inside the airplane stacking it up. But neither of them were looking at the middle of the conveyor belt, which is where Ollie had jumped up and climbed up on the underside. He had to be careful because of the mechanism of the conveyor belt. But he was able to make his way up the conveyor belt into the hatch of the luggage compartment. He waited until the person on the inside was walking toward the far part of the luggage compartment to stack something up. And he slipped inside, squeezed himself between two pieces of luggage, and waited. After a few minutes, the luggage was all loaded. The guy went down the conveyor belt, and they pulled the conveyor belt off and away and closed the door. Then Ollie realized he had a whole other problem to solve. Because there he was in the luggage compartment of an airplane, an airplane that was going to take off. He knew that the air pressure would be high enough that he'd be okay. It wouldn't be like being out there on the wing. But he also knew that he would it was probably going to get cold down there. They usually have a way that they can heat the luggage compartment, because if someone has a, like a dog or something that they put in the luggage compartment, they need to be able to heat it. He looked all around, and there were no dogs. He looked all around, and there were no cats. He thought, oh no, they're not going to heat it down here. I've got to think of something fast.
So once again, oh, I thought about luggage. I felt around. It was also very dark at this point, although all I can see pretty well in the dark. And he found, eventually, a soft-sided suitcase that seemed to be stuffed with soft things. Blankets, coats, he wasn't quite sure what, because like he said, it was, like I said, it was very dark. But it was on top, so he could get into it. So he unzipped it, slipped his way inside, and thought, all right, this is where I'm going to have to ride out this air flight. Hopefully, all these blankets keep me warm enough. So that's not all I did. He rode all the way to Vancouver in somebody's luggage, and it got cold. But the luggage did have enough insulation that he managed to stay warm enough anyway. It wasn't comfortable, but it was warm enough. He tried to rest, but it was hard, being so cold and uncomfortable. So he was wide awake when they landed. Well, he slipped out of the suitcase and zipped it back up. I went back to this other hiding spot where we could see the entrance. It was a little bit of a risky play because there was no guarantee that they would unload the suitcases in the same order they loaded it in. <sighs> Excuse me. All I had to think of his options. The red-haired lady she hadn't checked any luggage, so she wouldn't wait around for the luggage to come out of the airplane and get on the carousel. He had to get out there quickly. So he decided that he was just going to surprise the luggage handlers. And he hoped that they wouldn't call the police. So when the door opened, all I just popped out. I said, oh, man, that was not a comfortable flight for me. Well, thanks, fellas. I got to go. And he ran off toward the building. The confused luggage handlers looked at each other and then shrugged. But as all I looked back, he saw that one of them had picked up his radio and was talking into it. Well, he slipped in into a side door and made his way back up to the normal passenger area. He looked around frantically to see if he could find the lady in with the red hair. She was nowhere to be found. He moved quickly toward the exit area, and just barely he caught sight of those bright blue shoes turning the corner and left toward the taxis. Well, he scampered that way, caught sight of her again. He had very little time, once again, because she had flagged down a taxi. The taxi was pulling up. So he ran, ran, ran as fast as he could. He figured the time for subterfuge was over. He had to stop this diamond thief before she got away. So he ran. And just barely in time, he jumped and leapt under her suitcase. Right as... She started to hand it over to the taxi driver to put in the trunk. And she said, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Whoa, 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 what the heck? What the heck? Why is there an octopus on my luggage? And the taxi driver had jumped back when all I jumped on and said, ah. And he closed the lid again. I don't know what's going on here. I'm leaving, the taxi driver said.
And he pulled away. And I said, ah, dang it. What's your deal? Why are you attacking my luggage and scaring away my taxi driver? I got off of the luggage. I said, ma'am, my name's Ola the Octopus. I'm a private investigator. And I've been hired to recover that diamond necklace of the person that truly owns it. She said, oh, you have, have you? I said, yes. So I handed it over, and I'll get it back to Miss Peabody. I said, well, Miss Peabody is not the rightful owner of this diamond. Well, I said, oh? She said, no. She's had it for a long time, that's true, but it belonged to my father. And she did not have permission to keep it. I said, what do you mean? And she and my father were an item. They were romantically linked, you see. He lent it to her, lent it to her. When they were going to go to a big fancy ball, the Met Ball, up in New York. I said, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. It's a fancy evening. Makes sense to wear a fancy necklace. I said, yes, but she broke up with my father that night and stormed off with his necklace. And he's been trying to get it back since. But she doesn't answer his phone calls, and doesn't answer his emails, and doesn't answer his letters. So I took it into my own hands, and now I have it back, and I'm bringing it back to my father. I said, huh, quite the story. I said, well, it's true. If you come with me, you can meet my father, and, and he'll tell you the same. I said, well, did, she, did he file a police report or anything like that? I said, you know, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Well, I'll have to ask him, I guess. Oh, I said, I guess so. Well, sure, I'll come along with you. Go ahead and whistle for your taxi. Taxis never stop for me. I'm an octopus. She said, all right, fine. So she turned around and raised her finger to flag down a taxi. And she turned around, and I jumped up and undid the clasp around the necklace and grabbed it. She said, hey, get that back right now. I said, nope, I'm not going to. I think the police are going to need to sort this out. I said, what are you talking about? I thought we had an agreement. I thought you were coming with me. I said, nope, I'm not going anywhere with you. You're a thief and a liar. I said, that's a bold accusation. How dare you? I said, lady, here's the deal. My job, I'm not a policeman. I'm a private investigator to come here to recover a necklace. You can walk away, and we don't have to get the police involved at all. But I know this isn't your father's necklace that he lent to his girlfriend that broke up with him. I said, yeah, what makes you so sure? Because you tried to hawk it at a pawn shop, at several pawn shops. And if this was a sentimental piece you were recovering for your father, you wouldn't have tried to sell it to a pawn shop. The lady's eyes narrowed and she scowled at him. 
without another word. She got into the taxi and drove away. And that was the story of Ollie and the stolen necklace.